started making preparations for Christmas? Well, for many, that season really begins this weekend. But the most important way to prepare for Christmas is to prepare spiritually. Hi, friends. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and I'm really looking forward to these next four weeks here on Encounter God's Truth as we prepare for Christmas by listening to the voices of the Old Testament prophets, the Christmas prophets, if you will, Isaiah and Micah. This first lesson comes from Isaiah chapter 7, where we have the incredible prophecy of the Messiah being born of a virgin. Here now with this week's message entitled, An Arresting Voice, is Dr. John Whitcomb. Friends, I invite you to join with me in a discovery of the details of how the Son of God came into the world 2,000 years ago to become a permanent member of the human race by virgin conception through Mary. Now, the story begins, of course, in Isaiah chapter 7, as uh, the threat upon the southern kingdom and the capital city, Jerusalem, was horrible. There was an evil king, sad to say, in Jerusalem at that time by the name of Ahaz, and he was horrified to know that the northern king was going to attack him. That is, of course, uh, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, and allied with him, Rezin, the king of Aram or Syria, Damascus. And they were combining their forces to come down into Jerusalem and remove King Ahaz and put their own king in his place. What a horrible threat to the Davidic kingdom of Judea. And so Isaiah 7 introduces the crisis situation as uh, God told the prophet Isaiah, now you go out and meet Ahaz. Ahaz was standing at the northern end of Jerusalem watching the whole surrounding area where he knew the invasion from the north was about to happen. And so uh, Isaiah was to take along his son, Shear Yashuv, which, uh, of course, means a remnant shall return. In other words, it's going to be a, a terrible loss, but there will be a remnant that will return someday. So he and a second son had symbolic names to communicate God's urgent message to the nation. So they had a meeting up there uh, just north of the city, and Isaiah, under God, said to the king, Isaiah 7.4, Take care, be calm, have no fear, do not be faint-hearted because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands, referring to those northern kings, on account of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram, that's Syria, and the son of Remaliah, that's the king of Israel. Because Aram with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has planned evil against you, Ahaz. And here's what they're saying. Let's go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls, and set up the son of Tabael as king in the midst of it. They're going to have their own king to put into Jerusalem and destroy the Davidic dynasty. Well, of course, God's answer to this, as you could expect, is powerful. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. Why? Now, this is a strange illustration, but listen carefully. For the head of Aram, that's Syria, is Damascus, that's their capital, and the head of Damascus is Rezin, that's their king. But you see, it's a truncated pyramid. God is not the top part of the pyramid. He's not the, the pinnacle at all, the capstone. That is disastrous. Within 80, 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered so that it is no longer a people. Now, why? Well, because the head of Ephraim is Samaria, that's their capital, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah, that's their king. But the Lord is not the capstone of the kingdom of Israel either. So it's also a truncated pyramid. 
it is doomed because the Lord is not in it. He's not over them. He's not representing them. So Isaiah said to the king, if you will not believe, you surely shall not last. Then the Lord spoke again to King Ahaz, who was pondering this prophecy carefully. Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. In other words, I will show a miracle. I'll do anything to convince you that this is going to happen. Those northern kingdoms are doomed, Ahaz. Trust me. And so sad, so shocking was wicked King Ahaz's answer to God. Now listen to this. I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. In other words, don't interrupt my scheme, my plan. I'm going to call the Assyrians to come and get these northern kingdoms off my back. I have an international strategy. Don't interfere. Get out of my life. I don't want you. Oh, how awful. So God now turned away from wicked King Ahaz and talks directly to the nation of Judea. Listen. Oh, house of David. He's not talking to Ahaz anymore. Now, now listen carefully. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men? that you will try the patience of my God as well. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you, not Ahaz, you, house of David, you Jews, a sign. Wow. You remember Ahaz rejected the sign of heaven above and earth beneath, a spectacular sign. He had rejected it. Now you're going to get a real one. This is absolutely spectacular. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. God with us, a virgin, Hebrew word, ha'alma, translated in the Septuagint, parthenos, uh, a, a virgin. Um, that's a miracle. Nothing like this had ever happened in the history of the world, dear friends. And I say, now, now help me to understand what's happening here. Before this child, verse 16, this boy, will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, maybe at the age of two, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. Northern Israel, yes, and the land of Syria will be forsaken. They will be overcome and destroyed by the Assyrians. And that happened, of course, we know that it was hundreds of years later that Jesus was conceived and born. But as far as the nation was concerned at this time, they were to look at that as an imminent event that would happen at any time. And so with that background, we now turn to the New Testament and see how it was finally fulfilled. Let's turn now, friends, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. Listen to how the Son of God became a permanent, genuine, 100% member of the human race. Matthew 1.18 Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, usually Jewish betrothals lasted a whole year before the marriage is consummated, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Amazing. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. She had been with her cousin Elizabeth, you see, and by the time she came back to Nazareth, it was obvious she was pregnant. And here, her fiancé sees her in this condition and is shocked. He is absolutely devastated. He's a righteous man. He doesn't want to disgrace her publicly. He just wants to set her aside secretly. Oh, how relieved he must have been that night. When he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. My, 
Nothing like that, friends, remember, had ever happened in the history of the world. Can you imagine what he thought about that? And the angel went on to say, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin, Ha'alma, shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. You know, Joseph was a godly, humble man and he was the foster father, of course, of Jesus for many years and protected his reputation Joseph, I'm sure, had many a struggle in his mind trying to explain to his neighbors and relatives and friends in Nazareth how this boy was conceived when it was obvious and it was very clear that that, uh, he was not the father. Well, who was? How could he possibly say, well, uh, you know, she's virgin conceived? No, no, nobody would believe that. So this is a tremendous burden for the rest of Joseph's life to explain to people who Jesus really was and how he had come into the world. And so I say, now, Lord, this this is absolutely amazing how finally, after 700 years since you made that prophecy, that prediction to Ahaz, and not just to Ahaz, as we've seen, but to the whole nation of Israel about the virgin who would conceive and have a son. And finally, it's a humble woman called Mary. And friends, before we leave the record in this amazing gospel, according to Matthew, note carefully how over and over again under God's leadership, obviously, Matthew emphasizes the absolutely stupendous miracle of the virgin conception of Jesus. In, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, it says concerning uh, Joseph, To Jacob was born Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Amazing, because the word by whom is a feminine singular. Jesus was born, you see, of Mary, not of Joseph. Look, look at uh, Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Uh, look at the end of verse 20. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Uh, look at verse 21. His name will be Jesus, for he it is he who will save the people from their sins. He will have no sin. Otherwise, he couldn't save anybody from sin if he was a sinner himself, you see, by natural uh, conception, normal conception. Look at verse 23, the quote from Isaiah 7:14, The virgin, Ha'alma, uh, and uh, the Jews knew what that meant. Parthenos, Greek, virgin. And then down here in verse 25, he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and called his name Jesus. Six different times, over and over again, we see this point emphasized in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, let's turn to the parallel passage in the Gospel of Luke and see how this is explained so carefully. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, that is, after uh, Mary's relative had conceived a child, namely John the Baptist, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, he's the only angel ever named in the Bible except for Michael, the archangel, Gabriel had already talked had talked hundreds of years earlier, 600 years earlier to Daniel, you remember. And Gabriel now comes 
from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, Parthenos here now, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Oh my, what a promise, what, a, what an assurance, what a blessing. Nobody in the history of the world ever got a message like Mary did. But she was greatly troubled. That's understandable, isn't it? Greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, not the Son of Joseph, you see, in this sense. Something different here now. He came from heaven, the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. The father through whom? Through the adoption of Jesus by Joseph, who had no other son to whom he could give his right to the kingdom, to the leadership of the nation. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. My! Well, Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? I mean, this is overwhelmingly, obviously, the problem. And the angel answered, And here, friend, it becomes very important to watch the details. He said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now watch next. And for this reason, the holy offspring should be called the Son of God. In other words, friends, God himself, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit of God, would be the one who would arrange to have this baby born of a virgin. And of course, you don't say that uh, Mary was the only one that could have been uh, available for such a purpose as this. Uh, The miracle happened in her body. Uh, she wasn't sinless, no. She wasn't virgin conceived herself, no. The miracle happened when the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and came upon her. And for that reason, because of what the Holy Spirit did in her body, for that reason, her offspring would be the holy offspring that would be called the Son of God. Now, friends, no medical scientist in the world can explain things like this. And we say, God You know all the intricate details here of this conception. Help us to understand it was a virgin conception, not because of the quality of Mary. No, no. Uh, She had a sin nature. She later admitted that God was her Savior. Yes, we see that, in fact, in the same chapter. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 47, she said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. She knew that she was a sinner. And it's obvious throughout the whole of the gospel records in Luke 11, Matthew 12, and so forth, that she was not perfect in her thinking, at times proud, a little arrogant at times, a little hasty in her choices. She was not sinless, friends. The Holy Spirit guaranteed the sinlessness of this baby, this child, Jesus. And so, um, behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. That's the point, friends. God specializes in the impossible. Otherwise, the world could never have been created. Otherwise, the world could not have been cursed. 
because of Adam and Eve's rebellion. Otherwise, there could have been no Genesis flood to cover all the mountains of the world for months or the scattering of nations and creation of languages at Babel and a thousand other things that have happened and yet will happen. Nothing will be impossible for God. Aren't you thankful, friend, that you worship a God with whom nothing is impossible? That's how we can be saved. That's how we can have assurance of being in heaven because God will do the impossible through his son Jesus, namely pay in full the penalty of our sin upon the cross confirmed by the miracle of his bodily resurrection. Now listen, friend, to the amazing response of Mary in her humility, her spiritual discernment. Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. She's the first human being to have accepted Jesus on his own terms for who he was and to realize at that time by angelic explanation and revelation the true identity, the true origin of the baby she had just conceived. So I say, Lord, help me to realize the complexity of this, the reality of this. Some of life's simple things that look to us so simple are infinitely complex. Every little butterfly, every bird, uh, every snowflake is vastly more complex, every atom, molecule, than we could have imagined. And God says, just trust me, I can handle it. Just follow my directions and my instructions in the Bible, the only book God has ever written. So, of course, then Mary left immediately to go down with her cousin Elizabeth, and she was warmly greeted, and uh, Elizabeth uh, heard Mary's greeting, and her baby, now six months uh, along, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb. This is the first time, amazingly, that John recognized whom Jesus was. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed, now watch these words carefully now, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she, that's Mary, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth had special discernment by God to not only recognize the new Savior just conceived in the womb of her relative Mary and to honor her. And yes, yes, friends, Mary was a blessed woman because of that privilege, but not because she was sinless. No, no, not because she is partly divine. No, no, she is just like all of us in need of a Savior too. And we saw already, didn't we, several months ago, how she and uh, her four sons were there on the day of Pentecost and they were worshiping Jesus, now glorified. And so, friends, what a privilege we have at the beginning of this Christmas season to make it known everywhere who Jesus really is. He is the Son of God. Yes, in a special way too, the Son of Mary and through her all the way back to King David by which he had the right to be the King of Israel. He is one person with two natures, a divine nature forever and a human nature beginning with a conception in the womb of Mary. He is the God-man. He had to have two natures to be able to pay in full the penalty of our sin on the cross. If he didn't have a human nature, he could not have been our substitute, our representative on that cross to die in our place. So thank God for his genuine humanity 
and especially, of course, his total eternal deity. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, that you, in love, by the command of your Father, came into the world to die for me and all men for your glory. Thanks for being with us this Christmas season as we pause to listen to the voices of the Christmas prophets. I'm Wayne Shepherd. This is Encounter God's Truth, featuring the Bible teaching of Dr. John Whitcomb. And we want to think and learn together about the significance of fulfilled prophecy during that first Christmas. Now, Dr. Whitcomb, you spoke today about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and there's been much controversy about the person of Mary throughout church history. As we begin this new Christmas season, can you shed more light on this important biblical character? Wayne, that is a very important question because uh, her cousin Elizabeth said to Mary, according to Luke chapter 1, verse 42, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Verse 45, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary responded by saying, All generations will call me blessed. Now what kind of a person was she? Was she sinless? Was she divine? Who was Mary? Well, friends, it is very clear from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 48, that Mary was not divine and not sinless. Because one time Jesus, when he was 13 years old, went down with Mary and Joseph to Jerusalem. And when they went back to Nazareth for a whole day's journey, they couldn't find him. They went all the way back to Jerusalem robber-infested territory, a dangerous trip, spent a whole day wandering through the city looking for him, and finally decided to go to the temple, and there he was, when they saw him, Luke two forty-eight, They were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. In other words, she rebuked him. Now listen to his answer. He said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? A gentle but strong rebuke to Mary for having said these things to him in that way. He gently, graciously, but definitely put her in her place. Not only there, but consider the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. It came about in verse 27 that he said these things. One of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you speaking, of course, of the Virgin Mary, and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, now note this, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Don't you dare put my mother above all people in the world who are believers. Now listen to what the Gospel of Matthew says about Jesus and his mother. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, while he was still speaking to the multitudes, behold, his mother And brothers, these of course were his half-brothers, were standing outside seeking to speak to him. They wanted him to stop preaching and come out and talk to them. Perhaps they were going to rebuke him for being too uh, zealous and uh, exhausting himself or whatever. And someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside asking to speak to you. But he answered the one who was telling him and said, Now listen carefully. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. A gentle but definite rebuke to Mary. Don't, dear mother, interfere with my ministry. Don't tell me what I'm to do or how to do things. 
I'm in charge of my ministry under the direction of my Heavenly Father. You must take the lower position. And so in these kinds of passages, friends, in Matthew and Luke, which are the two Gospels, by the way, that tell of the virgin conception of Jesus, we see that God over and over again makes it clear that although Mary was a blessed woman, a privileged woman, she was nevertheless a sinner saved by grace, as she herself said in Luke chapter 1. And friends, we see her at the end of her life, as far as we know it, worshiping Jesus at the cross of Calvary. There she was, honoring him. We must be very careful, therefore, to see, yes, Mary was a special, special woman, privileged woman. And in many ways, you're privileged, I'm privileged. But she was not sinless, she was not divine. She was a believer, like you, I trust, and like I am, in the finished work of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. Thank you, Dr. Wickham. If you desire to focus more on the first coming of Christ during this special time of remembrance, you can find several additional messages for this season on our webpage at sermonaudio.com forward slash Whitcomb. In fact, you may want to follow our countdown to Christmas there, as we'll feature messages on the theme of Christ coming every day from now until Christmas. You can also look for special content for this season on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Whitcomb Ministries. And as always, you can submit a Bible question, perhaps on a subject related to Christmas, at whitcombministries.org. God's Word is true from the beginning to the end. And praise God, it tells us of His Son, who came to be our Savior. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Please join us next week here on Encounter God's Truth as we think about an amazing voice in our continuing study of the voices of the Christmas prophets. <laughs>